We are live. We're back. Ooh, welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. <sighs> Noah, <laughs> it's nice to hear your voice. Yours, too. It's been nine long days. Nine long, long, long days. You know, the the thing is, is we went on that pretty long hiatus where we were doing, like... The special episode marathon? Yeah, we were doing, like, the special episode marathon, like that one episode a week. You know, we would have large gaps in our episodes. Right. Then we had, you know... <laughs> Six episodes in ten days. Yeah. And now here we are nine days later, and <laughs> it's the longest gap we probably ever had. This is the longest gap we've had. However, still and, no missed weeks, technically. Yeah. It just feels strange. Yes. I think that's the best way to put it. Well said. But since it's been a while, how are, how are you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. Clearly, if you're listening to this or viewing... <laughs> On YouTube, we are not in person. We are doing this one remote. Noah, of course, traveling home to be with his mama for her birthday. Shout out, Mama Baker. Um, I've been doing well, man. Again, missing you here in the studio, but, you know, life's life's treating me well. What about yourself? How was the drive home? How are you doing back home? It was good. Um, I ended up, I was supposed to come home after work Thursday. So yesterday, if when you're watching this, but uh, instead I came home Wednesday after work because we were supposed to get a bunch of snow in Bowling Green Thursday again for like the third time this week. The usual. So uh, yeah, so came home a day earlier than I thought I was going to, but it was fine. Drive was cool, man. I mean, I got used to making those long drives from August to December. Yeah, I mean, I you went through a training camp all for this, you know? Yeah, honestly, I really did. And it really it really prepared me for this drive. And it was pretty easy breezy. Got home, had some good food, been enjoying time with my folks. Uh, mom's birthday is today, Friday, February 5th. So uh, make sure if you guys, friends with her on Facebook, perhaps, uh, wish her a happy birthday. Hundred percent. I mean, if you're if you're listening, like this video. It's telling her, you know, happy birthday. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to follow us. It's all birthday present to Mama Baker. Exactly. But yeah, besides that, all good. Glad to hear you're doing well. I, I will say real quick. Sorry to just oh, cut you off because I can't see you. We have now had an episode air on your birthday and your mother's birthday. I just wanted to throw that out there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? But proceed. Oh, but we also have a bit of news in that it looks like I'm taking your apartment. This is true, yes. Yeah. You're you're moving into the studio. Yeah, literally <laughs> one one Joe leaves, another Joe enters for <laughs> yes. studio. The, the show goes on. Yeah, the studio must be must remain an hour lined. Yeah, so a couple months from now when we're remote again, you will be where I am sitting, and I will be on your end, you know? It's just crazy. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, all good vibes right now. Everything's good. Um, but I think the people are done hearing about us, okay? It's time to get into some, some news. Yeah, we, we, now, 
we have a lot here, okay? Well, again, we we haven't had an episode since last Wednesday, so there's been a little bit of a gap, okay? And no, you, and you don't, guys are don't, gonna... don't do this, Dom. The people are ready for this. <laughs> All right, just let's get into it. It is time for the news. The news. We're starting literally a week from now. Yeah, yeah, that's A week true. from Saturday, excuse me, a week from tomorrow. Um, a couple of big announcements for UFC 258. Probably the uh, the mo- more minor one, but still a fight that we're both excited for. It's a legend fight. Absolutely. Bobby Green versus Jim Miller happened on the prelims of UFC 258. Um, what just a great fight. Two guys that have looked really good as of in 2020, especially. You know, Bobby Green had that run at the apex, um, kind of came up short against Tiago Moises, but then Jim Miller had a good run in 2020, had a couple of really nice performances on some fight nights. I'm really excited for this fight. I think to just call it a legend fight kind of does it a disservice. I feel like it's still a competitive fight, if that makes sense. Right, I agree. Um but yeah, I mean, give me your full thoughts on this fight. I know you're a big Bobby Green guy. As yeah, I mean, kind of he was, you know, the, the king, Bobby Green, was the king of the Apex in 2020. Uh, went 3-1, almost finished the year undefeated. But I think this is a fun one, man. I mean, Bobby Green's got the really crisp uh, striking, but he's pretty well-rounded, and Jim Miller's going to look to utilize the wrestling, if I had to imagine. It should be a, should be a good matchup, honestly. It really is on paper, and I... It's a toss-up as to who could win. I, I really think that's fun matchmaking for, you know, the diehard fans are really going to look forward to a fight like this. There's a fight like this on this UFC Vegas 18 card that we're going to mention later. It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. So Yeah, it, so much so that I think we kind of had them mixed up for a second. <laughs> yeah. That, one yeah. Was at the other, that this fight was happening tomorrow and this other fight was happening a week from now. We got it figured out, though. But point being... Green versus Miller, it's a great fight. Bobby Green being a guy who's really been pacing himself lately, going to a lot of decisions. Jim Miller always brings it. So I think that 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 sets up for a really nice style clash there where you're going to see Jim Miller really looking to grab a hold of a leg or uh, get a hold of his body or something, try to drag him down to the ground, and Bobby Green's going to have to look to keep that distance with the striking, and I think it could lead to a very fun fight. Yeah, it could be a three-round battle for sure. Mm-hmm. Also for UFC 258, this one a bit on the somber side. We uh, lost our co-main event. We did. Originally, Uriah Hall versus Chris, Chris Weidman rematch. Uh, it's been postponed. It's now, but it has been rescheduled. Way out. Yeah, UFC 261. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Is that our one of our first? I'd announcements for 261. That is the one and only that I am have been made aware of for <laughs> yeah, April I mean, 24th, UFC 261. That is the only fight so far. Yeah, I mean, there, there could potentially be a couple smaller fights that have been announced for that, but as far as, like, any other, any fights that would be on, like, a main card, I think that's the first one I've, I've heard of. So, cool that that fight got rebooked for then. Sucks. UFC 258, already not quite the the most stacked card in the world and now you're losing your co-main event but it, it I sucks for um, UFC 258 because they're sandwiched in the middle of a Conor McGregor pay-per-view and then in March we have two pay-per-views with a combined five title fights so it kind of stinks think, I think a lot of fight, I think a lot of fight fans got really spoiled in 2020 yeah 
um, not only with like the quantity, you know, we did have fights like every week from July to January, basically, but also it just quality. Like it was just banger after banger after banger. And even cards that on paper didn't look too great were having like fight of the year type performances. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people got spoiled. So I think uh, people look at this card. Kamaru Usman is not everyone's cup of tea. We know this. But he's damn good. He's damn good. And I think that fight with Gilbert Burns has got the potential to be maybe his, you know, his like, what's the, like his moment. You know, the Colby fight tends to be the one that gets that reputation because it was such a banger of a fight. But this one I think could even be just as fun, dare I say. Oh, I 100% agree. I, I can't wait for that main event. I mean, we there for guys like us, we we are going to love that pay-per-view, I believe. When you really like look at it, there's a lot of important fights and still a lot of ranked opponents. But it's just like you're when you're sandwiched in between these amazing pay-per-views that the UFC's doing in the first quarter, it's like, you know, <laughs> there's got to be one little rough patch. You can't just have all of these stacked yeah. pay-per-views. That's just inevitable. And you can tell that the UFC probably believed this themselves because we didn't include it in the news today. But if rumors are to be believed, um, they they were trying to get Oliveira versus Chandler on this card. Is that is that correct? They were on a two weeks notice, which I hated. But yes, they were trying to get this on that card as the new co-main. Yeah, and um, not very. Uh, I'm not one to really want I don't want that as much as I want that fight um, all in all I'd rather them take their time with it I don't want to see it these guys coming in off three weeks or two week notice whatever I'd rather them you know I'd rather right now it get booked for 261 yeah I want them to go through a training camp be 100% ready especially guys like Oliveira Chandler you don't want to see that fight on two weeks notice Come on now. And I, and I think we'll talk about this more later um, because we got a lot to talk about with the lightweight division. But truthfully, I'm just saying that I could tell the UFC probably wanted to bulk up 258 a little bit, but probably not going to happen. You know, That's it's fine. like tossing Ferguson and Oliveira on the 256 card, truthfully. Yep, exactly. Except that actually happened, but you know. Yeah. So, um, unfortunate for Hall and Weidman. Uh, was it Uriah that got that tested positive? I think it was actually Chris. So Weidman tested positive? I believe so, uh, yeah. Yeah, so speedy recovery to him. Hopefully both guys are doing well leading into their rebooking. Um, you know, Uriah Hall had a tough tough 2020 when it came to uh, his opponents testing positive for COVID, so I don't, I'd hate to see that be replicated in 2021 um but we move on to another bit of a somber note but also it's like a positive you know there's a yeah side. yeah so originally our main event for our last card in february is february 27th was a highly anticipated fight at light heavyweight between dominic reyes and jiri prochaka that fight still one is i need to see that that's fight. a huge that fight, fight. Is no interesting. Unfortunately, it's been postponed, and we got a new main event, and that's Cyril. Excuse me, I got. I need to get this man's name right. Cyril Gane. I think it's Cyril Cyril Gane. Cyril Gane. 
Why did I feel like we didn't have any trouble with this when we talked about him at UFC 256? Um, I don't know. It was, it was the last name that gave us more trouble. This is true. Uh, so, Surreal Gane is now in his first main event. Huge fight. Love this fight. This He's is the fight I made. I made this fight. Yep, Dominic is the reason this fight's happening. <laughs> um, so you guys can thank him. But he, Cyril Gane is going up against Jarzinho Rosenstreich. And look, the fight's going to be five rounds, but it ain't going five. Not I don't a think chance. So. Um, that, that fight's a banger, though. I know we've already talked about both of these, but just mentioning that you got that new main event in there, uh, what are your thoughts on this being the new main event? You know, I'm, I've said it once, and I'm going to say it again. A convincing finish in this fight could really put him at a number one contender status the way this division is right now, especially when, like, when we're going to talk about uh, on the 20th, Blades and um, uh, Derek Lewis rescheduled. That, on paper, is a number one contender fight, but you know how the UFC is with Curtis Blades and even Derek Lewis. So if Ghani can come in and starch Rosenstreich or vice versa... They could get in line for a title shot after John Jones, that is, of course. So you never know. But th- this fight right here, incredible matchmaking. It's a big step up for Gane, in my opinion, and for Rosenstroik. This is a next-level striker. I cannot wait for that fight. Yeah, uh, you could really couldn't have said it any better myself there. it's Especially for Gane, I think he's got a lot. There's a lot that could be earned here if he, if he has a big performance like he did against JDS. Mm-hmm. Um, I think truly the biggest wild card is John Jones, but yeah. you're about to get Stipe and Ganu too. That's happening in March. So we're going to have some direction there. Um, depending on how that fight goes, you might see Jones fighting a winner, or maybe you won't. Who knows? But right. if, if that's the direction they go, you might see that fight before the fall. Uh, that's still a maybe, you know, especially if Stipe's the one that wins. Um, but if Ngannou, you know, kind of gets a real quick knockout or something, or if for somehow Stipe were to do it, uh, maybe you get that fight in a couple months. Um, but I think Gane could totally leapfrog Lewis or Curtis Blades, especially if Blades kind of wins the fight the way that in my head I could see him winning it, which is another bit of a slog of a performance. Maybe dominant, but just boring and Dana he's already kind of on Dana's shit list for speaking out about fighter pay and things like that so Ghani's got a lot there's a lot at stake here for him in a way and um when when I see Ghani I see future champion I do too totally I mean there's there's really I, I don't know if there's any other way to say it but there's something about him I don't know I don't know what it is young guy out of the uh, fight, out of like Paris, if I'm not mistaken, or he's at least yeah. French. The stand-up well, technician. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's so weird how him and Ngannou are like buddies. Ngannou and Ngannou down the line. What do you think? I don't know. They're so they're such good friends. <laughs> there can only be one baddest yeah, I mean, man, got, baby. You got, you got to see that fight at some point, right? That fight's just you have to see it. Oh, baby. But. Regardless, that's your new main event. Uh, we move on a, a month later, oh, March twenty seventh. You're a big fan of this one, UFC two sixty. I'm not gonna lie. When this announced, when this you know this this was kind of being talked about for a few days before it got officially announced, but I just I'm just mind blown that this fight's happening. 
you like don't know what to do with your hands type of mind blown. Like, it's one of those mind blowns where it's not all like uh, it's not like I'm just so stoked for this fight. I mean, I I do like the fight. It's just I never would have thought these two would be placed against each other ever, and that is Vicente Luque and Tyron Woodley. <laughs> that's it's a fun one on paper anyway. It's, I should say. So let's look at this fight. Let's break this down actually for a second. Not not you know not our not our usual breakdown, but just style wise. Right. Tyron Woodley is finally kind of getting a break from um, you know I know Gilbert had a bit gave him a bit of problems with the hands, but you know Gilbert at the end of the day was taking down Tyron Woodley a lot. So you got Usman, Burns, Covington, all kind of implementing this similar game plan and essentially shut out Tyron Woodley. Now you give him a striker who is still a freaking killer in that division, but it's just a lot different of a style than we've seen Woodley fight in the last two years. And I don't know if that's going to be to his benefit or if it's just going to kind of dig his grave even deeper. I I don't know. I mean, if Woodley wants to win this fight, he has to figure out how to let his hands go again or he's going to be in trouble. I'm just going to put it that I, way. Because for all I, all the good I can say about Luque, and maybe I should spend a little more time, but I, mean, I love Vicente Luque. Defensively speaking, he can be a bit of a punching bag at yeah, times. You look at his, you know, his fights with like Steven Thompson. Obviously, Wonderboy being just a world-class striker... Not everybody's got that level. Tyron Woodley is not that level of striker. However, Tyron Woodley does have the Tyron power, Woodley, though. We've seen it. He does have the power, and he look. Tyron Woodley nearly finished Wonder Boy. That tells you anything. Um, I definitely think I. I'll put it like this. I mean, if you see the Tyron Woodley that was in his last three fights, I mean this this is going to be a slaughter. This will be the the swan song. This will be it. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, we can't see that a fourth time, right? Like, Woodley's going to have to. Well, then you look at, you know, you and me both predicting Tyron to let his hands go against Colby and knock him out, and we saw how that turned out. So I don't really know what to do about Tyron anymore. I know that that guy that was the best in the world at one time is still in there, man. I think it's one of those guys and one of these instances where it's more mental than physical. I'm going to be honest, and that's just tougher for some people to get over than others, I think, and it's showing with Woodley here. I, this is interesting. Luke's going to come in and try and take his head off. So, <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to be ready. And my point with Luke being kind of a punching bag at times where he just kind of allows... He, he, he stands in the pocket and he's kind of like, I'll, I'll eat one in order to give you one harder. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he has more power than Woodley. But so that could be a problem. But I do think he's got a lot more output than Woodley, and that's not even just including. Uh oh, you cut out. Your hello. Hello. We lost him. We lost Noah, ladies and gentlemen. Noah. I don't know, he's cut out. But yeah, I mean, this fight, Luke K. Woodley, uh, this is an important fight, too, for the division. 
Uh, Tyron needs a win, obviously, on a three-fight skid. And then we have a guy like Luke who has been fighting the toughest guys, but then when the biggest uh, tasks are presented to him, he does tend to fall short, but he's never in a boring fight. So I'm really excited to see how he can bounce back here. Um, both guys, really. And if Tyron goes on and loses a fourth straight, it really could be the end of his UFC career. I don't want to, you know, be the Debbie Downer, but it is a possibility. Uh, so that's a fun fight. And then I believe Luke's number 10 right now, Woodley's sixth. So Luke's trying to finally crack into that top 10, get the top five next in his next fight. And Woodley's just trying to prove he's still got some gas left in the tank. So I can't wait for that. And again, that's also, or that is UFC 260, uh, March 27th. Let's see if Noah's back yet. Noah? Yep, I'm back here. Okay, back. okay. I was just trying to to uh, put some more <laughs> spin on that fight till we got you back. You, were, you were stalling. <laughs> uh, also for UFC 260, uh, Sugar Sean. The Sugar Show is back. He's back. And he's going up against Thomas Almeida. This is a fun fight. Uh, That's really fun. This is very fun. This is very fun. I So... Thomas Almeida's had a bit of a rough go of things. I think that's safe to say more recently. Really, ever since he ran into Cody Garbrandt, he's just, he's not been that same level of prospect that we once saw. But uh, there now there's a lot of questions about Sean O'Malley. You know, he was kind of the hype, the hype train that sort of got derailed when he went up against Cheeto Vero back at our very first pay-per-view breakdown, UFC 252. Right, it's actually crazy we haven't seen Sean since then. Now that I think about it, it's kind of wild. I haven't even I haven't even heard much about him. You know, there was that controversy uh, that came out like last week with uh, uh, Casey Kenny talking about Megan Anderson on yeah, Sean's on podcast. podcast. But besides besides that, I literally hadn't heard of Sean and Mally since basically that fight happened. I had not. He's been kind of nowhere. Yeah, um, this is not an easy fight for Sean. He does, uh, it's a good fight to bring him back and still give him like a well-known fighter, but it's not easy by any means. It's kind of like the Cheeto fight in a similar sense. Um, to, so, me, to me, this fight comes off like, I think Sean O'Malley's striking, you know, Thomas Almeida's shown that his chin can be a weak spot for him. Um, so therefore, I think that that this matchup favors O'Malley in a lot of ways. You know, for for what we said about O'Malley getting a win over Cheeto Vera, it, at least for me, I never really saw him finishing Cheeto. You know, Cheeto had just always shown such a strong chin, and had been some wars in there, right? And I just couldn't see O'Malley finishing him. But here, I could see O'Malley doing what he did to Eddie Wineland against Thomas Almeida, for sure. But on the reverse end, Thomas Almeida is an exceptional grappler when it comes to his uh, jiu-jitsu. And, you know, Sean's... <laughs> he's had some uh, some interesting limb, limb issues, we'll put it, to put it lightly, in a couple of his fights. So um, I think that could get real interesting if this fight gets to the ground somehow. Uh, you could We could be in for a very interesting fight. For sure. And, I, again, that's on March 27th. Luke Woodley on March 27th. These two March pay-per-views, really just March in general, because the fight night sandwiched in between, it's unbelievable. I, I'm i yeah. not going to be able to comprehend the entire month of March. 
it's honestly pretty crazy, ain't it? Yeah, it, it might go down as one of the most stacked months the UFC has ever had, ever. It's crazy. But I digress. So now, we move on to April 10th. One day before my birthday. This is my birthday card, and they're doing me good. They're doing me good, I'm just going to be honest. So we're going to start with Marvin Vittori versus Darren Till. That's fantastic. The fight that really, we I'm pretty sure we were pretty, uh, I think we were pretty early on board with this fight, I would like to say. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I think this is a great fight for the middleweight division. I think it's great that Vittori is being accepted as a top five guy. You know, Jack Manson is a killer and Vittori straight up handled him for five rounds. Yeah. Took the best of his shots and the best of what he had to offer just was the better man that night. And now you see him placed with Darren Till. I think it shows that the UFC believe in him as a top five guy. But when you look at this fight from a style perspective, to me, this comes off like Darren Till out of the two has the, out of all their talents in all aspects of MMA, Darren Till is an elite striker. Yeah, there's only so many strikers like Darren Till. But I think overall, Marvin Vittori has shown a more complete package as an MMA fighter. I agree. He's very good on the ground. Very good. And he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and I don't use that to be, like, a negative I just mean like he's good everywhere, but it's hard for me to sit here and say what his strength is. Right. He's just really well-rounded. He's one of yeah. those guys. He does have a ton of submission wins, so I am yeah. curious to see if he can get Till to the ground. We've seen Till get in trouble. Uh, Woodley, he did finish him with the submission after the brutal ground and pound, right? Yep. Yeah, so if Till gets on you know, the floor and Vittori's on top, it's... It's, I would lean heavily toward Vittori in that instance, but again, he's got to get to the ground first, and Till's no easy guy to take down. He's not, and I don't think Till's even been on the ground since that Woodley fight. Yeah, and that was because he got hurt. Yeah. I don't know. It's a very interesting fight. I'll let you talk a little bit about it, just your thoughts. I, I mean, really, that's it. This is the main event. This is going to be five rounds, which it should be. Uh, we have two back-to-back huge middleweight main events. We'll talk about the next one. Or in a second, but this is huge. This this is honestly, it's like a little tournament playing out here, kind of, sort of, like what we were seeing in the lightweight division. I don't really know what's going on in that division right now, but at one point it looked like a tournament, and that's what it's kind of looking like here. But I don't want to hint too far because we have one more fight to pre or talk about before we get into that second middleweight bout. So, do you want to go ahead and introduce the next fight for April tenth? Listen, man. Super Sadiq Yusuf is back. The guy that I've talked about since day one of this podcast, yet have not gotten to preview a fight for him because he has not fought since we started in August. He's back, April 10th, taking on Arnold Allen. Both these guys on nine fight win streaks right now. You want to talk about perfect matchmaking? This is it right here. This is the perfect example of matchmaking, 101. (laughs) Kudos, UFC. You, You got me. This is the one right yeah. here. I mean, these are two guys that are, I guess, still prospects, but they are 
so close to just being contenders at this point. Yeah, both uh, are top 15. Arnold, I think it's like 9 and 10, 9 and 11, something yeah. like that. This yeah. is a huge so. fight. And I, I completely agree with you from the perspective of, like, this fight, you know, really it's hardly even fair to call them prospects at this point. I mean, they legitimately are top 10 level fighters. This is going to be like but, announcing their arrival to the elite. Yeah. The winner yeah. of this. And I think the winner of this, I mean, the sky's the limit, right? Like yeah. This, this, it really, both these guys could end up, we could be seeing this as a rematch down the line for a belt. Yeah. I think now. either one of these guys could be a future champion. I mean, these are two yeah. next level, like that next generation of like MMA fighters that we talk for that people talk about all the time. These are like two of them right here. And I have a hard time right now predicting the fight in my head, like kind of where guy, where each guy is going to like look to go. Like yeah. I think I'm going to have a lot of homework to do with this fight when the time comes. It's a good thing we have two months to prepare for that one because it is such a, like on paper, man, so many intangibles here and it's so important. And really, this is almost similar. I know they're not fighting until April, so it cuts down their timeline this year. But you think about it, just like how I said with Amanda Hibas and Marina Rodriguez, the winner of this, depending on how many times they fight this year, could be a title contender by the end of the year or this time in 2022. It's one of those type of fights to me. It really is. Isn't that crazy that we could be talking about one of these guys in a title fight at the end of the year? Like, that's just wild. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I can't wait for that fight. That's And I, hopefully, I mean, I don't know. There's no more fights yet for that card, but... Vittori Till, Alan Sadiq, I'll just take those two and be off with my evening. Yeah, and not to even disclude the fact that a week later, on April 17th... The other half of the middleweight tournament. Ooh! Our, man, April 17th, our main event, Paulo Costa is back. But guess who else is back? Bobby Knuckles (laughs) 2.0. A.K.A. Robert Whitaker, and first off, not for a belt, not for an interim belt at the moment. As of now, yeah. As of now, <laughs> uh, they didn't announce it as such, so I'm going to just assume that it's not going to be for one. But who knows? I think a lot might be answered with that when Adesanya moves up to light heavy. So we'll see. But I'm curious, just without that kind of layer, just as a fight. You know, what are your thoughts here? Because I think I've been seeing a lot of chatter, and it appears that pretty much everyone is siding with Whitaker. And I'm not going to disagree. You know, the Costa-Adesanya fight showed a lot of Costa's flaws that I just didn't see before. He was exposed in a lot of ways. However, he's still a damn good fighter, and I think he's being disrespected a little bit. But on the same, <laughs> at the same breath, I'm also going to say that I have a hard time seeing Whitaker lose to anybody besides Adesanya right now because of how good he's looked and this resurgence he's had. Those performances against Darren Till and then uh, Jared Cannonier were nearly flawless. I mean, I know Cannonier hurt him in the third round, but you look at his first two rounds and that was all Whitaker. You look at that Darren Till fight, Darren Till being an elite striker, Whitaker went punch for punch, kick for kick with him for five rounds and got the better of the exchanges. We're seeing a new man. <laughs> this ain't even the guy that held the belt before. I think he's better. 
yeah, Israel Adesanya has awoken a different beast. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are siding with Whitaker simply because he is such a similar striker to Adesanya. Now, Adesanya is a better striker. I'm not saying Whitaker's on that level because obviously Adesanya knocked out Whitaker. But in terms of the way they fight, being really good counter punchers and just very precise in their shots, that's where the problem is going to lie for Paulo again. However, I've been wanting to kind of talk about, you know, the Izzy effect, trademark pending. He just kind of freezes people, Yoel, and then Paulo back to back. I don't know if that's, is Paulo going to show up like that again? If so, it's over already. But if he comes out being the aggressor, it will be interesting. However, man, like you mentioned, you said it perfectly for Whitaker, what we've seen since he lost the title. He's looked nearly untouchable outside of, like, Till had one moment and Cannoneer had one teensy tiny moment. Other than that, it's been all Robert Whitaker for eight rounds of fighting. So, it's intriguing. Um, and it, I think a lot of, like, that fight, um, a lot is going to play out for that fight when... Adesanya fights Blahovich because if Adesanya wins, who knows what's going to happen? If he loses, it makes a little makes the water a little more clear, I should say. But you know, if if Izzy goes up and wins the light heavy title, we could be seeing the winner of Whitaker Costa take on the winner of Vittori Till for an interim belt or something like that. So that's yeah. why I like that these are back to back, both main events in the same month, a week apart from each other, so that they can line up the winners and even the losers. And on the same time frame. So that's perfect. Uh, the fight itself is incredible. It could play out in many different ways. But I, like most of the community right now, am, you know, first glance of the fight, Whitaker is who I would and, and pick right now. And the thing right is, now. I am too. Like, I, I still am. Just because, but it's more so as a credit to Whitaker, not as a slight to, to uh, Costa. Right. I think a lot of people have been kind of just discrediting that run Costa went on. I mean, that guy hung in there with Yoel Romero, ate his best shots, and nearly put the big man to sleep. And then you look at fights like Uriah Hall, where he completely just murdered that man, or Johnny Hendricks. I mean, the list goes on. The guys looked incredible, but there was a lot of flaws exposed in the Adesanya fight, mm. and I, I can't say that I, I can't sit here and say that I'm, you know, that I'm as in on Costa as I was at one point. I really thought he was going to beat Adesanya. Right. I thought he was going to be a dominant champion. But I guess, you know, I'm, I'm, there's more clarity in my eyes, I guess, now. Like, I, I see I see him as slightly different. And I hate that. I hate that one fight can dictate that so much, but I just I, it's hard for me to see him winning this fight with Whitaker it's, right it's, now. It's, it, really is. it really is because I think the similarities between Whitaker and Adesanya's game, we saw that Paulo didn't have an answer for Izzy. What makes us think he's going to have an answer for Whitaker, you know? I, I will say I don't think Costa's going to freeze up again. I really don't. I think you're going to see him bull rush, you know, come out like, like you know, on fire. But I just think Whitaker is too smart and just too well-rounded at this point to really fall into that. At, I mean, I guess you could potentially be looking at a Yoel Whitaker three right here. Yeah, yeah, that's a good <laughs> uh, point. Unofficially. Uh, but that's best-case scenario for Costa, and I still don't know if he wins. <laughs> right, exactly. Worst-case scenario, you kind of get a, a similar performance where he looks lost, he looks 
confused and Whitaker kind of gets him out of there pretty easily. It's it's hard to tell right now, but five rounds headlining a fight night, give me that all day. A hundred percent. But all right, that is the end of the news. The news. Let's talk about some fights. Let's do. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. More. You know what? Let's talk about more fights. We just, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. So, a bit of a bonus, <laughs> a bonus fight here. Uh, we did not. We, truth be told, we weren't planning to really talk about this one, but I just think you got to. You got to give respect to the legends. You, right you do. You do. It's at least a nod. You know. Mm-hmm. So our headliner for the prelims is a legend fight, and that's Michael Johnson versus Clay Guida. Dominic Salee, you're kind of being put on the spot here, but take it away. Yeah, uh, this won't be as like in-depth, nitty-gritty as the main card, but just to touch on these guys, I mean, Michael Johnson has been in there with the who's who, and one of Noah's favorite stats is always pointing out who are the two gentlemen that Michael Johnson has at the top of that resume, Noah. Uh, I believe it is uh, Dustin Poirier. It is. And then I believe it is also uh, Tony Ferguson. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. And then you look at some of the losses that a guy like Michael Johnson has, and you're like, huh? So, you know, Michael Johnson, no hate toward the guy. He is always in amazing fights. His fight with Justin Gaethje to welcome Gaethje into the UFC, incredible back and forth, just all-out war. And then Guida, when's the last time you've seen him in a boring fight? A cardio maniac, not a cardio machine, a cardio maniac, the carpenter himself, the long hair, nobody pulls it off better than him, getting slapped in the face pre-fight by his trainer, nobody does it better than him, and he's been in there with the best of them as well. So, you know, I'm thinking, Johnson Guida, is this going to be a stand-up war? Is Guida going to try and wrestle with Michael Johnson? Because I think... In my head, Johnson has the advantage on the feet in terms of the better striking, quote-unquote. Wrestling, you have to go with Guida here. But Guida's not afraid to stand and bang and just put it all out on the line. And none of these, yep. neither one of these guys have anything to lose. That's what's fun about this fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so when you kind of look at it from a statistic side, right? You know, we like to do that. You like to do that in your nitty-gritty. Michael Johnson has eight wins via knockout, two wins via submission. However, he has only been knocked out twice, but he's been submitted nine times. So you see a very clear advantage-disadvantage there, right? Mm-hmm. You go to Clay Guida, seven wins via knockout, 13 via submission, only two knockout losses, 10 submission losses. So his resume is a little murkier because even though there's a lot of submission wins, I still kind of look at Guida as like, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm almost like surprised that he's got, I know he, I know how good of a wrestler he is, but I always felt like in his biggest moments in the UFC, he was always like in a, like a war, like stand and bang kind of thing. Right. And maybe that's just, you know, uh, kind of me just just not remembering the past correctly, but I I just I have a hard time believing that this fight's going to be like 
Guida on top for three rounds. Right. I really don't. I think you're going to see a lot of mixing up. I mean, I could see Guida getting a couple takedowns. Um, is he going to keep him down? Is the ground and pound going to be significant? Is he going to pull off a right. submission? Is he even going to look for submissions? There's a lot of question marks in this one. And Michael Johnson, I think, could really give Guida some fits on the feed. I mean, he's going to have a reach advantage, I'd imagine. I think I'm going to go Michael Johnson here. Mm. But I think I'm going to go via decision. So I'm on the reverse end. I actually have Guida, but I am going a decision as well. I just think we have two seasoned vets. They're just going to nullify each other, essentially, in my head right now. I'm just trying to play it through. Um, I, do th- I don't think it's going to be boring. I think it's going to be exciting no matter where the fight goes. It's just a matter of is it going to be on the feet? If it is, is somebody going to get rocked? If it goes to the ground, is Guida going to control and just dominate? Or is Johnson going to be able to get back up? Is Johnson going to be on top? I don't think so, but you just never know with these two guys. Johnson's a tall, lanky guy. Guida's short and stocky. Very fun fight, and you know these guys have paid their dues, been in there with the who's who, and both they fought in lightweight and featherweight. Um, so why not fight each other? I don't think they've ever fought each other. If they have, it's been a long time ago. This is so fun. Really, is a fan favorite. Again, reminds me of that Bobby Green Jim Miller matchup we talked about in the beginning. Yeah, one hundred percent. Very excited for that one. Just had to give the legends a shout. But now we're into the main card. And we open our card with a big one. A big one at lightweight. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You good? Oh, we, we going right now? I didn't know if you were segueing to me. Again, when we're not together, oh, there's just no okay. eye contact. Uh, hold on. So let me set it up here for you. Okay, okay. So what we have here is Diego Fajera versus Benil Dariush. A huge fight at lightweight. This is this you know, is getting way overlooked, by the way. I just had to throw that out there. So much so that if y'all have it, you need to check out Overtime Heroics. <laughs> if, if you follow me or Dom on Twitter or Instagram or anywhere like that, um, you will probably have seen this, this, this article being passed around. Um, Dominic did a complete breakdown of this fight of both these guys' careers and gave a prediction and everything. So make sure to check that out. Support Overtime Heroics. Uh, they have a lot of good content on there. Dominic also did a complete breakdown for the month of January, just as a whole, the biggest takeaways, um, kind of the, the stat side of it, you know, how many fights went to a decision, knockout, submission, all that. And uh, he got a lot of love. Thought he's done a great job. Check it out. However, I have to let Dominic set this up because this is his fight, really. Yeah, I appreciate the support, Noah. Again, apologize for the rough segue there. Again, when we're not in person, (laughs) I just can't see you. We don't have the physical cues. But anyways, nitty-gritty, first one of February, Diego Fajera, number 10 in the lightweight division. Benil Dayush, number 13, if I'm not mistaken. Huge fight here. Another legitimate contender comes out as the winner. Diego Fajera is 17 and 2, 3 KO TKOs, 7 submissions. He's 8 and 2 in the UFC. He is one of the most not just in the lightweight division underrated fighters. He's one of the most underrated fire, fighters on the entire roster in my opinion. Uh, he's got wins over Jared Gordon via TKO. Also got a huge submission victory over Anthony Pettis. That was the last time he fought on the Conor McGregor Cowboy card back in January of 2020. So we have not seen him in over a year. Uh, He has some notable losses. 
won to Mr. Benil Dayush. That was via decision six years ago. And then he also got KO'd by Dustin Poirier. Those are the only two losses on his entire professional record. He's coming into this fight on a six-fight win streak. Three of those via finish. And four of his ten total finishes have came in the first round. Blue corner, we've got Benil Dayush. 19 wins, 4 losses, 1 draw, 5 KO TKOs, 8 submissions. He's 13-4-1 in the UFC. Honestly, Dayush gets more shine and glamour than uh, Diego, but Dayush is still kind of underrated in my opinion. Uh, but he's got wins against Anthony Rocco Martin via submission, the Diego Ferreira win 6 years ago, uh, beat Jim Miller via decision, got a Michael Johnson uh, victory via split decision, KO James Vick, uh, decision victory over Tiago Moises, submitted Drew Dober, KO Drakkar Close in a comeback of the year performance for 2020, then got a spinning back fist KO over Scott Holtzman. That was just pure insanity. Then some notable losses. He got submitted by Michael Chiesa, got KO'd by Edson Barboza, and also KO'd by Alexander Hernandez. And then the lone draw on his record was against Evan Dunham, just to throw that out there. He's coming into this fight on a five-fight win streak. Seven of his 13 finishes have came in the first round. One of the win streaks has to come to an end here, Noah. But the question is, whose win streak is going to come to an end? So, yeah, um, both these guys, I think, are underrated. I think you're right. You know, Diego Ferra is definitely... He's the higher-ranked guy, yet he's the guy that gets the less shine of these two. But Darius is not that far off from that same status. You know, I think 2020 was a good year for Darius as far as getting him back in people's mind. You got the comeback of the but, year? Yeah. Uh, Shout-out to that video, by the way. Um, seeing him kind of tear up like mm-hmm. that, it freaking pulled at the heartstrings a little bit. But, yeah, this is a very good fight on paper. Now... Both these guys have more submission wins than knockouts in their career. However, if you look at their resumes, Darius has shown a greater willingness to trade and has probably showed more effectiveness on his feet, I would say. Oh, yeah, he'll stand Um, and bang. That's kind of been his, I guess, kryptonite at the same time because his chin's not always held up the best. But... I think on the reverse end, you get a guy like Diego Fajera, who is pretty much all about getting this fight to the ground, submitting you. Not that he can't win via knockout, but of the top 10 or 12 or whatever of lightweight, I feel confident to say he's probably got the least amount of punching power for that, that the top echelon of fighters. He's very much a guy that's going to have to put his combinations together uh, throw a lot at you at a time. Um, Darius not having the best chin in the division could lead this to being kind of that kind of fight. But I look at it like Darius has more, I think he has more answers to yeah. wherever the fight can go. I think that's a good way to put it. And while I think Diego Fajera's grappling is probably the best skill between the two, I truly am not sure it's going to get there. I think this might end up being like a war for as long as it lasts. And um, I just think that Darius has the more power, the better striking overall. And I think that could be a rough night for uh, Diego Fajera, truthfully. 
I'm going to go second round KOTKO for Benil Dariush. Yeah, so I mean, I'm kind of on the same thought process as you. It's, you know, where's the fight going to take place the most? And I thought an interesting kind of question here is like, who's this going to benefit more if it goes into that third round? Because like we, we've seen uh, Dariush specifically dig deep, you know, pull off that comeback victory. That was in one round. You saw how tired he was in just that. So if this goes all three and we're in the deep waters, who's going to come out, you know, who's going to benefit? I think that's an interesting question. And I'm actually going to side with Dayush. I think he's going to be able to just keep a pressure that's going to eventually crack Diego. I'm going a third round KOTKO, Benil Dayush. And he will crack you into the top ten, essentially, with a win here. So, again, the winner of this, you will be hearing a lot more of, you know, as the year progresses on. Because this lightweight division is just so stacked right now. We're just throwing another match in the fire right here with the winner of this fight. Yeah, and uh, all respect to Diego Ferreira. Um, I don't. I know that me and me and Dom are both picking Darius, but um, Ferreira could totally, if this fight gets to the ground, especially, I think this could be definitely his fight to lose. But I just have a hard time seeing Darius get taken down easily. He's going to be the bigger guy, stronger guy, and he just—he's good enough. You know, Darius is still a very talented grappler. So for him to get to the ground, it's going to be a very tough to do. And I have a hard time seeing Diego really hurt Darius with his hands. Um, it could happen. Anybody can get caught. I just don't really see it happening. Uh, maybe he'll make me eat my words. But right. because of that, I just have a hard time seeing how Diego gets to fight to the ground outside of, like, a lucky trip or something. And, you know, it's, it's uh, crazy, but, like, Dayush has more submission wins than Diego. Like, yeah, shit, he could get on the ground and pull off a triangle or something. Like, this is a really just such a fun fight with – you want to talk about, like, intangibles that can take place and how many different scenarios. This is a perfect example of that. This is one of those real toss-up fights, like, what is going to happen – and we're two days, well, one day away when you're listening to this from finding out. Like, I cannot wait for this fight. Yeah, agreed. We move on to a big fight at Bantamweight. A fight that's probably going to be under the radar for everyone compared to these other four fights. But um, we have an interesting matchup here. Because in one corner, you got Cody Stamen, who is very much a veteran of this Bantamweight division. He's very established. He's, we kind of know who he is at this point. But then in the other corner, you got Asgar Asgar, who is making his UFC debut. And therefore, Dominic, you know it's your turn to break this down. But I think we got our home I think we got our work cut out for us here. Yeah, so this was originally supposed to be Cody Stamen and Andre Yule. Was really looking forward to that matchup. That was gonna be a banger. But this one is gonna be a banger too. Uh so Cody's nineteen three and one, six KO TKOs, two submissions. He's five two and one in the UFC. Uh, he's got wins over Brian Carraway via split decision, and then a unanimous decision over Brian Kelleher. He's got uh, losses to Aljamain Sterling, that was via submission, and then lost to Jimmy Rivera via unanimous decision, and the draw on his record was to Song Yadong, and then four of his eight finishes have came in the first round. So then we have the UFC newcomer here in Askar Askar. He's 11-1, five KO TKOs, one submission, and then five of his six finishes have came in the first round. So this is interesting. 
And who's it going to benefit? Because Stamen had a whole training camp getting ready for Andre Yule. Askar Askar, late late replacement, but he's clearly ready to fight, obviously, if he took this. So is Stamen going to be ready to adjust his game plan? Is Askar going to come in and make a splash in his UFC debut like Michael Chandler? This is an interesting fight. How do you think this will play out for the newcomer, Askar Askar? So... It's tough to say because you got a guy who's literally making his debut in the promotion. And it's not against, you know, some lower level competition. Yeah, they're throwing him into the deep end. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I get it. Guy goes down, you need someone to step up. You got Askar Askar, he's like, give me the fight. I'm here. Now, Cody Stamen's got a lot of decisions on his record. He kind of, as much, he's very similar to Jimmy Rivera in my eyes. Yeah, that's a good way to put uh, it. Two guys that could really be a champion at some point, but I think at times they kind of lack the killer instinct or those intangibles. You know, the sure, their grappling might be outstanding. Um, they might have all the skills in the world, but sometimes they play it maybe a little too safe. Um, not that this is a great way to measure that, but... 19 wins for Cody Stamen, 11 of them via decision. That's not a perfect way to measure that, but I'm just throwing it out there. Um, and you've seen that call Stamen at times. You know, he's at times he's played it a little too safe, including against the guy I just talked about, yep, Jimmy Rivera. Exactly. That was a fight where Jimmy looked a little more aggressive, and Cody kind of looked like he was coasting a little bit at times. Um, that song you don't fight, much of the same. Aljamain Sterling, much the same. And Sterling is a guy who comes out and puts the pressure on you immediately. Yeah, you can't be slow That's, with Alja. And that was his most decisive loss he's had in his career. So, I mean, here you got a guy, you know, all this whole time Cody Stamen's been preparing for Andre Yule. And now you get this other fighter who is going to come in with a potentially much different game plan, much different style. And truthfully, I mean, the guys looked really good. Um, his one LFA fight was a big unanimous decision win over Kevin Worth. However, despite all of that, I'm still going to pick Cody Stamen to win this fight. Um, it just comes down to, I just think there's a veteran presence that's going to be, you know, able to carry him through. Don't get me wrong, Asgar Asgar might have an awesome career in the UFC uh, and could this could be the start of something really special for him. But I just haven't seen it yet. And even on his, like, you know, the rest of his resume, it's not, it doesn't really blow me away. Like, not just the fact that he has a loss, because a lot of guys lose in their, early in their career. But, like, only the one fight at LFA, and really before that, or excuse me, he's fought technically twice with LFA, but in different um, different terms, I guess. Um, I don't know. That's not a ton of high-level experience, in my opinion. And Cody Stamen is just a very tough guy to be basically like, here's your debut. Right. So I'm going to go Cody Stamen. And I think it's going to be a decision. I think he's going to do what he does best. He's going to grapple the shit out of Asgar Asgar. 
And I still think it could be a fun fight. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on Cody Stamen. I, I, my heart goes out to him. I know he lost his brother last year. And he's very emotional about that after winning one of his fights. But at same, and you know, he's he could very well be a champion at some point. Like totally good. However, I think you're going to see another one of those performances from him where he just kind of he does enough to win, but he doesn't really do enough anything to like, you know, just. Really wow you. you yeah 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 uh you really couldn't have put it any better i'm going the exact same route here um i would love to see Ascar come in and make a big debut on short notice on a main card again they called this guy up for a reason so right. he's gonna be there to put on a show however like you said stamen's been in there more experienced guy. He's been in there with some really tough competition i'm gonna go stamen i'm gonna go decision but uh, I don't doubt that Ascar could come in and make a really good first impression. And even in a loss at that, he could still look good. So Yeah, I mean, for all we know, if he just looks good here, then all of a sudden he kind of gets a number next to his name just for being willing to take the fight. Right. Who knows what happens if he has a full training camp. Maybe exactly. he starches Cody Stamen. Like, you just don't know. Uh, it's, t- it's a lot to ask for him, though, in his debut, so... It'll be interesting. And speaking of debuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the fight, probably besides Darius uh, Ferreira, this is probably the fight I'm most excited for. This is fight of the night. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Alexandre Pantoja going up against the debuting, the former Ryzen champion, Starboy Manel Cape. Dominic, roll out the red carpet. Oh, baby. So Pantoja, uh, a perennial contender at the flyweight division. He's 22-5, and five, eight KOTKOs, eight submissions, six and three in the UFC. He's got wins over Brandon Moreno, you know, that guy that just fought to a draw with Davison Figueredo. <laughs> no big deal. Right. TKO'd Wilson Hayes and also KO'd Matt Schnell, who we talked about. Uh, UFC Vegas, or no, UFC Fight Island 8. I'm getting all the hashtags mixed up these days. And then he's <laughs> lost to Dustin Ortiz via decision. Lost to the champion, Davison Figueredo, via decision. And then lost to the undefeated, Askar Askarov, via unanimous decision. He's literally fought everyone there is in the top of this division. And he's still hanging around. He's got nine round one finishes out of his... Eight plus eight, 16 total career finishes. Manel Cape, the debuting Manel Cape, former Rising champion, 15 wins, four losses, nine KOTKOs, five submissions, one away from the perfect finish rate, but we'll take 14 out of 15, you know, we'll take it. UFC debut, like I mentioned, former Rising champion, like we both mentioned. He's coming into this on a three fight win streak, all of them via KOTKO. Seven of his 14 finishes have came in the first round, and he does have a couple notable wins. I just had to give a little shout-out to some former UFC fighters. One, a TKO over Ian McCall, and then also a KO victory over Takeya Mizugaki. So even though he's been over there in Ryzen, taking on a lot of the, the Asian market, like superstars over there, he's fought some good competition. Don't get it twisted just because he's coming from a lesser-known organization. This dude is legit, and people have been waiting to see him debut since August. It's been delayed twice. Here we are now in February 2021. 
this fight is a banger. Again, fight of the night for me. Noah, give me your thoughts here. Yeah, um, all those accolades you just listed off for both these guys, Pantoja's 30, Cape is 27. These guys are pretty young. Yeah, <laughs> we can see both these guys around for years to come. And they're so accomplished. I mean, Pantoja, we've been seeing him. You're, you're co- completely accurate in saying perennial contender. I mean, he's literally losing to the top of the top, you know, Davison. And then you got Askar Askarov, who's probably one win away from fighting for a belt. Um, even beating Brandon Moreno, who could be champion right now Thanks. if things had went a little different. And then in the other end, you got probably the lesser known, the more unpredictable, Manel Cape, 27. Um, guy's been fighting for Horizon for such a long time. Yeah, there's a it's lot so of hype around Manel Cape, man. It's so amazing to me. You know, his record's 15 and 4, and you kind of go, all right, he's never fought in the UFC. Why is this guy getting all this shine, right? I mean, you got to realize this guy's been fighting for Ryzen for years. You know, he's been fighting high-level competition since he was in his early 20s. Yeah. And I think that speaks to the potential that this guy has and really what we're seeing as of late, the, the execution of that potential into being just, he's that damn good. Um. It's a great first matchup for him. Honestly, a bit... I mean, it's definitely a bit of, like, throwing him to the wolves, you know? You know, it's not an easy fight. But in, a, in the same way, I, I really couldn't... wouldn't put him against anybody any lower. I feel like it would do him a disservice, you know? And I, and I had a completely different point of view with Michael Chandler, and you saw what happened there. Right. I'm a big believer in Manel Cape, but Pantoja is a dog, man, and... Um, those 16 wins via finish, who says the flyweights don't finish anybody? Am I yeah, right? like, exactly. Uh, Pantoja's never been finished in his career. Manel Cape looks like he has he has a submission loss uh, against Horiguchi. That's another uh, UFC bet. So he's got the one loss really via finish, but honestly, Dom... I might be crazy for this one, but I think one of those O's has got to go. I think Manel Cape, K-O-T-K-O's, oh. Pantoja, Via. Well, not Via, oh, third round. <laughs> via K-O-T-K-O <laughs> in the third round. Yeah, so I'm going third round. I think it's by the night. I think uh, Pantoja, I could totally see dropping. Um, Kate, but some like at a point, I, I could see it's just being a war back and forth. I think it's a great way to introduce Manel Cape to the American audience. And yeah, and they're throwing him in there with Pantoja, man, for a reason. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like a debuting guy, you're going up against, I think he's like number six right now in the division, yeah. and he's streaking. So this is no easy fight for Manel Cape. However, I'm going to go with Pantoja. I think he's going to be able to stop the hype train just a little. I think this is going to be a barn burner, an absolute war, a slugfest. It's going to be so fast-paced, as the flyweights are so prone to do. But I think Pantoja's going to get it done via a razor close, maybe even split, potentially, decision. I think this is going to be an awesome fight. I'm I'm very excited to see this Manel Cape. I've never really gotten to watch him outside of highlights. So to see him debut this Saturday is going to be very fun against a perennial contender, a lot's going to be made, uh, especially if he were to come in and win this. 
Very interested to see what's next for him. Pantoja, though, been in there with the best, and he's going to add one more dub to the resume, in my opinion. Cool. Yeah, I could totally see it going either way. Pantoja's very underrated, honestly, at yeah, this point. Yeah, he is. I think it's safe to say. We move on to the co-main event of the evening. Also, a bantamweight fight. This is our second one we've discussed here. Huge implications with this one. We got Corey Sandhagen going up against the answer, Frankie Edgar. Dominic, do your thing. Yeah, go ahead and get a cup of joe for this one because Frankie's got quite the resume. But I guess we got to start with Corey, right? The young gun. 13 wins, 2 losses, 5 KOTKOs, 3 submissions. He's 6 and 1 in the UFC with, you know, split decision over John Lineker, unanimous decision over Rafael Sansao, TKO'd Marlon Marais with a freaking spinning wheel kick in a main event on Fight Island last year. And uh, his only loss in the UFC, Aljamain Sterling. And that was via submission. Five of his eight finishes have came in the first round. San Hagen, since the day he stepped into the UFC, has been looked at as a guy that can become the champion. And I think it's still much of the same, you know, a couple years later. Again, 6-1 and one in the UFC. However, Frankie the Answer Edgar has been there. He's done that. And this is now his third weight class. 24 wins, 8 losses, 1 draw. 7 KOTKOs, 4 submissions. Yeah, that means he has, let's see... 7 plus 4 is 11, 24 minus 11, 13 decision victories. Oh, by the way, Frank Yeager has the most octagon time in UFC history, and I don't even think it's close between him and second place. He's 18-8-1 in the UFC, wins against Tyson Griffin, decision. Spencer Fisher, decision. Hermes Franca, decision. You're going to hear a lot of decisions on here, hence the octagon time. Sean Shirk, unanimous decision. He's beaten BJ Penn. Three different times, twice via decision, once via TKO. KO Gray Maynard. He beat Charles Oliveira via decision. He's beaten Cub Swanson twice, once via submission, once via decision. He beat Uriah Faber, decision. He KO'd Chad Money Mendez. He got a decision over Jeremy Stevens. A TKO over a surging at the time, Yair Rodriguez. When everyone counted Frankie Edgar out, he kicked Yair's ass. It was pretty crazy. And then he has a split decision in his bantamweight debut. Debut, pardon me. That was against Pedro Munoz. That was the very first fight night that we ever broke down on this podcast. Fun fact. Woo! But he's got some losses. He's got a decision loss to Gray Maynard. He's lost twice to Benson Henderson. Once via unanimous decision. Once via split. He lost to Jose Aldo twice. Uh, both in title fights. One for an interim belt, I suppose. Uh, both times via decision. Got KO'd by Brian Ortega the first time he had ever been KO'd in his entire career. Lost the decision to Max in another title fight. And then got TKO'd by the Korean Zombie. Six of his 11 finishes have came in the first round. Frank Yeager, former champion. Perennial contender in featherweight. Now a contender in bantamweight. This guy can do it all. He's been there and done that, Noah. But can he get it done against Corey Sanhagen? Um, no. Oh. <laughs> Quick to it. I like, I like the, I like the confident answer. No, I, I'll be a little, I gotta be more respectful to Frankie Edgar. I mean, come on, that's a legend, right? Uh, yeah, so, uh, you just listed all the, Frankie Edgar is one of the greatest fighters the UFC's ever had. Yeah, I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer, if I've ever seen one. Yeah, I mean, my God, 
I almost to a nauseating degree was this man getting title shots. It's like to a point where it's like, all right, I never want to see him in a title fight again. However, it's hard to say he never earned any of them. That guy just was old. Like he's just a guy that was so. It was almost frustrating how much he just wouldn't leave the top. Yeah, it's like God. You want that fresh blood, and he's like, nope. Yair Rodriguez, get your face smashed. Yeah, just when you count out Frankie, he comes and just puts on an incredible performance. It's crazy. Problem has been kind of in this later part of his career, you started to see... The chin. Finishes, yeah. Yeah. The chin. Brian Ortega with that uppercut from hell. It was the featherweight version of uh, freaking Ngannou's uppercut. (laughs) Yeah, put Frankie off his feet. And then Korean Zombie. I mean, that was a fight Frankie took on short notice. Probably shouldn't have. Uh, but Korean Zombie, the animal he is, just finished that fight early, quickly. Now you see Frankie Edgar move down to Bantamweight. His debut headlining against Pedro Munoz. What a fight. Very, very good fighter. Ends up being basically a fight of the year. A fight I thought Munoz was going to pretty much walk through Edgar. I thought Frankie was pretty much done. Yeah. I didn't think the extra 10 pounds cutting weight i didn't think that would be good for his chin it held up i mean it really did yes it did however with all that being said i still didn't think he won that fight but it was so close that it's hard to really like cry over spilled milk right yeah right. it's like at this point like it's done is done it was a fight of the year it was an amazing fight and, and he looked good regardless of if, if it went to pedro it's like okay well damn frankie still has some gas left in the tank but then he just gets the win anyway, and here he is with Sanhagen, a potential number one contender fight. Yeah. And, yeah, that's so true. I mean, now he's literally a win away from fighting for a belt. In his third weight class. <laughs> yeah. However, Corey Sanhagen, I think, is a future champion of this division. Right. I know um, he, he his, his hype or whatever you want to call it, his, his uh, direction got a bit halted. But Mr. Aljamain Sterling, who, who beat him pretty easily. But Corey Sanhagen being so young. So unique. Just having limitless potential. I mean, he's only 28 years old, not even in his athletic prime yet. And you've already seen some of the shit this guy can do in the octagon. Um, I think he's incredible. And I tell you, Noah, he is like, you know, we saw Dominic Cruz come in. WEC and then uh, UFC with the movement and just how unique his style was and how we had never seen it before. And I really don't think it's been close to being replicated until Corey Sanhagen. I think he's the closest fighter to Dominic Cruz, and he's like the modern, you know, the modern new martial arts version of the way Dominic Cruz moves around the octagon and approaches his opponents. It's a good way to put it, and... That's kind of how I see this fight going. I just think Sandhagen being the younger, the the more athletic, the faster fighter, um, I just think he's kind of going to – I think he's going to pretty much run circles around Frankie here. I think Frankie's got a lot of heart. He's got a lot of talent still. I think I could really see him maybe dragging Sandhagen into some sort of dogfight here, some grinding you know, three-round battle. But I think Sanhagen's going to be a little too smart for it, a little too fast for it. Um, I think Sanhagen's going to be able, or I think Frankie's going to be able to get this fight to a decision. But I think Sanhagen pretty much sweeps the board. I'm going Corey Sanhagen via decision. I, I agree 100%. I, I'm going Sanhagen decision. Again, I just think he's going to 
get the job done in every facet. You know, I'm going to be curious if it goes to the ground. I am a little intrigued. But if it stays on the feet, I really think Corey's going to pick him apart, control the distance, move around with that just that unique style, as I mentioned. Uh, but, yeah, if it gets to the ground, it could be fun. But Sanhagen's no slouch on the ground either. Don't let the Aljo fight stir you in the wrong direction. If you're talking well-roundedness, Corey Sanhagen is about as well-rounded as they come. So, uh, yeah, this is a great fight. Happy for Frankie to get this opportunity, potentially earn another title shot for Sanhagen. I really wanted him to get Dominic Cruz uh, or TJ Dillashaw, either or, but he's getting Frankie. I can't complain about it, and he's right there knocking on the doorstep of a title shot, uh, of course, if he wins. Frankie's never an easy fight for anyone, but I think it's Corey Sanhagen's time to really make a statement and kind of show, like, okay, I lost to Aljo, but that wasn't because, like, I'm bad. That's how good Aljo is, and I'm coming back to avenge that loss. So yeah, yeah. We move on to oh. the main event of the evening. Big boys at heavyweight. Oh boy, Alistair Overeem. He said one last ride. Yes, he did. He's going up against the Russian Alexander Volkov. Very interesting fight we have here on paper, Dominic, and no better guy to break it down than you, sir. Alistair Overeem is 47 and 18. 47 wins, 18 losses. Quick math, that's 65 fights. That's a lot. (laughs) You want to hear another crazy stat? 47 wins, right? 47 wins. That's a lot. Here's the finishing numbers. These are not typos. You're hearing me correctly speak through this microphone. 25 KOTKOs, 17 submissions. 25 plus 17 equals 42. Overeem has finished 42 out of 47 wins. Just let it just let it soak like a sponge. Just let that soak while I continue talking here. 12 and 7 in the UFC. Here comes the long-winded resume. He's got wins over Brock Lesnar, TKO, unanimous decision against Frank Mir, KO'd Stefan Struve, unanimous decision over Roy Nelson, TKO'd Junior Dos Santos, TKO'd Andre Arlovsky, KO'd Mark Hunt, uh, majority decision over Fabrizio Verdum, TKO'd Alexi Olenek, TKO'd Walt Harris, and TKO'd Augusto Sakai in his most recent bout. That's just the UFC. If we want to get into all the other shit this guy's done, we're going to be here for hours. So I'm just going to save you some. Know if you want to touch on any of the other stuff in a few minutes, be my guest. In terms of losses, he's lost to Bigfoot Silva via KO, got KO'd by Travis Brown, TKO'd by Ben Rothwell, KO'd by Mr. Stipe Miocic. We saw that live in person. What an experience. Got KO'd by Francis Ngannou. That's when his head went off of his shoulders into the 16th row of the arena. Lost to TKO via TKO to Curtis Blades. That was when his face got cut open by the elbows. Ew. And then got KO'd by Rosenstrike. That's when his lips split open like a pair of jeans. Absolutely disgusting <laughs> KOs that this man has suffered. I'm just going to be honest with you. Oh, man. Hey. That sounds so bad. Here's another stat, though. 42 finishes, right? 
33 of them have came in the first round. He likes to get in, get out, you know, hands off, hands clean. You know what I'm saying? However, no easy task here. He's going against what? Six foot seven, the second tallest guy in like UFC history outside of Stefan Struve. Big guy. His whole tattoo is a samurai warrior. It's quite terrifying. Alexander Volkov, 32 wins, 8 losses. That's 40 fights, plus 65 fights on Overeem. That's 105 total fights between these guys. That's that's a lot of experience. Unbelievable. He's got 21 KOTKOs, 3 submissions, 24 out of 32 via finish. Volkov is 6-2 in the UFC, wins over Blagoy Ivanov. That was in Bellator back in 2014 via submission. Split decision over Tim Johnson. Unanimous decision over Roy Nelson. TKO'd Stefan Struve. KO'd Fabrice over Doom. A decision over Greg Hardy. And then in his most recent bout, that was at uh, 254, right? With uh, Habib and Gaethje. He TKO'd Walt Harris with that body kick. Ooh, that was brutal. He's lost to Czech Congo, also in Bellator in 2015 via decision. Got KO'd by Derek Lewis in a fight he was winning and quite frankly dominating until the last few seconds. Derek Lewis decided to throw a punch and it knocked the shit out of him. And then he lost a decision in a main event with Curtis Blades. And then 15 of his 24 finishes have also came in the first round. So when you put that together, let's see, 24 plus 42, that's 66 finishes between these guys. 33 plus 15, 48 first round finishes. This is unbelievable stuff here, Noah. You got to take it away for a second because I need a drink of water. You, you, I think, just wrote a book right there by talking. Wow. Um, yeah. A lot of finishes. A lot of a lot of wars between these two. Unbelievable. Right? Unbelievable stuff. I mean, how can I, the fact that Overeem's still fighting is incredible, and at such and a high level, still he still looks incredible. He's getting Does better. It, has he? Look, has he been knocked out 14 times? Yes, he has. Is that somewhat concerning? Of course. However, it's the ring, baby. It's the ring. Like, <laughs> One final <laughs> ride. <laughs> One last ride. I mean, it's this is Undertaker level shit. <laughs> he's come, he, I, rumor has it he's coming out of the apex on the motorcycle. That's just what I heard. <laughs> With Limp Biscuit playing <laughs> on his way out. Now... Here's my thing, right? Overeem is one of the best fighters to never win a belt in the UFC. Yeah, one million. Just look that resume you just listed off. I know he's had his fair share of losses, but you know he nearly finished Stipe. That 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 straight left he threw or straight right. He felt the uh, tap. Dropped him. Uh, yeah, he felt the tap. But we digress. One of the best fighters to never win a belt. Yeah, man. Um, while Volkov has had a much, uh, his, I mean, to me, it's like no matter how many more times Overing fights, and I say that lightly because, God forbid, they'll let a guy like BJ Penn go in there and lose eleven straight times. But as of now, I feel safe in saying that Overing's book has pretty much been written. You know, yeah. If he gets that belt, I mean, that'd be incredible. But. To me, as of now, like his story's been written in the UFC. Like, no matter where he goes from here, he is a Hall of Famer. He is all those things. He is a credit to the sport. Volkov in the UFC has 
much less there's as of now there's just less that's like written right right? there's less written in stone because in my opinion his career has been a bit disappointing for the UFC as far as in the UFC Um, he looked incredible in Bellator heavyweight champion over there I I thought so yeah Um, he's looked incredible at times but then you see some of these fights where you kind of go uh, like that, that wasn't great. You know, you look at the fight like Derek Lewis, the fact that he was able to get finished after essentially dominating for three rounds. Um, you look at that fight with Greg Hardy, where especially now you look back, you know, we yeah. were given so much credit to Greg Hardy back then. We still to this day say look, that's his best performance. And now I look back and I go, why wasn't Volkov able to do more in that fight? Right. You know? Volkov had so much more experience on him. I know Greg Hardy, athletic freak, all that, but it just raises a lot of questions, in my opinion. So I think there's less in stone right now for Volkov. And despite his finishing rate, Volkov does not have the most power in the heavyweight division. You know, 6'7", he's a bit of a lankier guy. Big guy. Overeem, Overeem, I know he's not Uberim anymore. He's still thick. He's thick with it. Dude, dude, big with it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think this fight's going to – I think it's not going to go in the first. I think you're going to see this fight go a few rounds. Here. I agree. Yep. I, don't, I don't think it goes to a decision either, though. I agree. I'm going over him, and I'm going fourth round. Oh! DKO KO. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, we're going to see it play out a little bit. Uh, and I don't doubt that Volkov's going to be able to land shots. But, man, it's just... And I know he's got 40 fights, but then you look at a guy, Overeem, 65 fights. What hasn't Overeem seen? That's the thing. You're not going to catch him with anything that he has not been up against. And uh, and Volkov's not really the guy to do that anyway or propose that type of challenge. So I think Overeem, over time, is going to get the edge. I'd like to see him actually even utilize a takedown or two. I think it could be interesting because Blades dominated Volkov. I'm not saying Overeem is Blades-level wrestling, but we saw what Overeem did to uh, Sakai. When that fight went to the ground, pure domination and finished him with the elbows. I think we're going to see an almost near-identical finish in this fight right here. I think he's going to finish Volkov, third round, KO, TKO, on the ground. I, I think he's nice. going to land shots. I don't know if he's going to take him down, put him down with shots, but he will finish this fight on the ground, in my opinion, on top with some nasty ground and pound. Nice. I think that means four of our six predictions were the same. Yeah, we were tied on this one, huh? Yeah. So uh, that's going to wrap up this preview for hashtag UFC Vegas 18. Dominic, tell the people what time this card's starting. Are you aware of what time it's Yeah, starting? so this is one of the, well, I don't want to say early, early, but it's an 8 p.m. Eastern time main card, which is always nice. You know, especially yeah. we had a week off, but we don't have to get into like a late, 10 o'clock start, we can do a nice 8 o'clock, we're done and still have time to read a bedtime story, we don't just have to jump right into bed and go to sleep, so uh, it's 8 o'clock, East Coast, uh, main card, prelims at 5 p.m. East Coast, and uh, yeah man, this is this is another one, well I, honestly, this is a pretty stacked fight night, we're big on the cards that we have to do a lot of homework on, and there's a lot of new up and comers, but man, this fight night right here, there are up and comers but damn, this is a great card from top to bottom, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I completely agree. It's a great fight night to kind of welcome us back to a more week-to-week basis. Yeah, here. yeah, back to normal. We're back in Vegas for these, so we're in the smaller octagon. We're in the apex. Just mm-hmm. keep that in mind for some of the fights we'll be seeing. But yeah, man, we're back. Again, it's a Friday. Then we're going to be back Monday. I know you're going to get into that. But we're just back to a normal groove. And damn, it feels good to be previewing such a good card. It's it's a perfect way to get back into the back into the swing of things. I agree. And as you mentioned, Monday, we will be recapping all the action we just talked about here. Um, these fights happening Saturday night. We'll talk about them. They'll come on Monday. Um, are we doing a special episode? I think we should. Let's do it. Yeah, fuck it. Why we don't know we? what, but we're going to have one. <laughs> T- TBA. TBA. TBA announced. Yes. Um, so that'll be coming on Wednesday. And then obviously Friday. Yeah, another pay-per-view, baby. Preview for UFC 258, headlined by the much long-anticipated bout at this point between mm-hmm. Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns. But until then, Dominic Slee, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at dslee 14 Find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for our anchor page. First, recording a voice message. Something we really want to hit hard in 2021. One down, many to go. Yep. If you have an opinion about an upcoming fight, an upcoming card, a video idea, if you just want to say hi or tell us that we're a piece of shit, record it at that link. Up to 60 seconds. So don't take that long to tell us off, all right? (laughs) Also, there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So, again, you can find all of that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out. And we'll see you all on 